Um, and we've also uninvited 17 of our prior contracted relationships through group, you know, group business and corporate business to work with our company anymore. We had some very heavy volume models and some I would like to say it's more of an old Florida mentality. It's take somebody's money, put them on a bus, make the money. I don't care about the customer. Um, and that is not our, it doesn't align with our morality and our views for our customers anymore. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Welcome to Attraction Pros Live! Hey, Matt, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great, Josh. How are you? Actually, it's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's going amazing. This is yeah. a, a very special episode of the Attraction Pros podcast. I'm so excited to be here right now. It really is. So this is going to be uh, episode 250. Wow. And we are at the Florida Attractions Association Woo! annual conference. Yes. Yes. Okay. In beautiful West Palm Beach, Florida. And you know, it only makes sense that we celebrate our 250th episode with the Florida Attractions Association because if it weren't for FAA, we might not have actually ever started this podcast. So it was back five years ago before the conference in Jacksonville, right, where you and I were having dinner and we were talking about business and kind of what the next steps were uh, for each of us. And Josh said to me, Matt, I think you should start a podcast. And what'd you say? That was what I said. Oh, that's what you said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I think you should start a podcast. And I said, no. Yeah. I said, if anyone's going to start a podcast, it's going to be you, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to be your biggest fan. Right. And then neither one of us started a podcast. So then a couple of months later, we were talking, and we said, what if we did this podcast thing together? What if we teamed up and said, let's go ahead and do a podcast together? And this is what happened. And then pulling together our resources and our microphones and our <laughs> looking at how to start a podcast and how to get on the platforms. Uh, it was born in September of 2017 about 249 weeks ago. Exactly. So we are super excited to uh, share this 250th episode with everybody. And the topic, the thing that we have been really focusing on um, in a lot of our interviews is the fact that, you know, so many people talk about guest experience and how important that is. And then employee experience and how important that is. And we've really seen kind of an intersection between those two. And ultimately, we're all human beings, right? And so how we interact with our guests is similar to how we interact with our employees. And so we wanted to kind of test a hypothesis. Like, are the techniques that we use to interact and attract guests similar to what we might use to interact with and attract our, our employees? And so that's what we wanted to kind of put out to everybody today. So for example, Matt, if I were to say it costs five to seven times more to attract a new guest than it does to retain an existing one, that would be a good argument for investing in repeat visitation and getting your guests to come back. Absolutely. So it's probably the same for employees, right? I mean, we all know turnover costs a lot and, and productivity and, and, um, uh, and, and our culture. So it also has a monetary cost. So when you think about 
about all the things that you have to do to get a new employee is probably pretty similar to what it would take to get a new guest to come through the gates. Yeah. So here's what we're going to need from all of you. We are going to transcend guest and employee <laughs> experience multiple times throughout the course of this conversation. We will look at the guest journey as well as the employee journey and look at ways that we are, uh, I would say, influencing the guest experience, amplifying the guest experience, and if those can be flipped around and turned towards the employee experience and your employee culture, as well as vice versa. We'll look at it from what you're doing from an employee experience standpoint. Can those same processes be applied to your guests? So this is this, is this theory that we've really developed over the last several years throughout the course of you know 249 previous conversations, and we very much have this hypothesis that we want to test. So so uh, this episode is very much like a science experiment in action. Right. A little nervous, but I'm pretty <laughs> confident, too, uh, in that so many of the things that we talk about from guest experience and employee experience are identical. So let's start it off. Let's talk about attracting guests, right, or attracting clients to a business. What are some of the ways that you attract a guest to your business, whether it's through marketing or word of mouth? What are some of the ways that you, you do that? And, and looking at it from the top of the guest journey about our Facebook page and our social medias, the Instagram, the TikToks, all of that stuff. All of it. Yeah, we do all of that stuff. So so, so uh, tell us who you are, where you're from. Oh, I'm sorry. Felicia Cook, Marine Land Dolphin Adventure at St. Augustine. And so um, we do all of that social media and hopefully we're doing it trying to attract people to interact with us. That's that's the big thing right now is getting them to interact with what we put on social media. So. Those, those are the things we do. I mean, yes, we are in our maps that go around Florida. We are, you know, we, we do our print stuff, but they're not as interactive as the social medias can be. Mm. And you know what? Our employees love social media, so they do it. They do, so they do interviews for us that we put on social media. They do, um, they'll swim with the dolphins and we'll record it, and that goes on social media. So um, a big thing we like to do is encourage, we do not make, but encourage all of our staff members, it doesn't matter if you're janitorial or if you're a trainer, to get in the water, not everybody gets in, but to get in the water and do an interaction. That way, they can talk to the guest one-on-one -on -one about what that was like. So... Yeah. So your guests love social media and your employees love social media. So so let's flip this. Do your prospective employees love social media? And can you or do you or does anybody here use that as a recruitment technique? Yes. I remember we, we yes, did. We uh, oh, yeah. Cindy, tell us. Yeah, we do. Um, we put it out there on Facebook. We put it out there on Instagram. Um, and and we even use video showing people working, having a great time. Um, we also promote the benefits of being working in an attraction. Not only do you get good pay, good atmosphere, you know, benefits, but you get free admission to not only, you know, St. Augustine Attractions Association has the letter that gets them and their families and all the attractions in St. Augustine, but then the attraction share program with FAA. So we put that out there in our, in our Help Wanted ads. Free admission to attractions in St. Augustine, Florida. And that really helps a lot. So when we look at uh, social media as a marketing technique, we're looking at it really from, from two different prongs here. One is we want to encourage guests to buy a ticket and come visit, and we want to encourage employees, prospective employees, to fill out an application and, and come get a job. So that's a, a sub-hypothesis there that, uh, that I think we're on a good track for. But let's hear from Mary. 
Hi, Mary Stella from Dolphin Research Center in the fabulous Florida Keys. And, and what you're saying really resonates because social media, you know, advertising is what you say about yourself. And to some extent, social media is, is that as well. But in the interaction parts of it, it is a way to introduce people to who you are, what you do, and how you do it before they ever get to your door more than they're going to see in, in a print ad. So um, one of the things that, that we started, this was especially important during the 10 weeks of COVID closure, because how do you keep people connected to your attraction and to what you do when they cannot physically come to see you? And a couple days before the Florida Keys closed down, we started doing Facebook Lives. We did them every single day. The only people that were at work were half of our, our care team, because unlike a store or a museum, you don't turn out the lights and leave the dolphins and the sea lions. You, you know, they, they require the care. So they started doing the things. And it was just, here are the dolphins. Talk about the dolphinality. All the things that we would talk about while you were there. You know, and, and introducing you to the animals. What's our philosophy? So that attracted more people. And everybody else was sitting home also at the time. So we might go on a Facebook Live and have 500 people coming in, in a room. We're also a nonprofit. We can put a Donate Now button on it. So that is, is helpful as well, and, and it became a fundraising thing. But people, the page trended. Media would hear something. They would want to do a story. And we get people, oh, where are you located? Because Facebook recommended the page based on maybe their friends were going to it. Where are you located? So then they, when we opened up and they were planning vacations, they then they then came and they knew what to expect they knew to expect a good time they knew to expect friendly people and that i think is it enabled people to learn our mission and our culture when they couldn't come and visit and i think that that's important if we flip that for both employees and things like that we get people who want to come and work for us because of of who we are because they embrace the mission and they know the conservation and they know the way that we care for the animals so it is a a double-edged sword is, is a negative. I don't know. It, it's a double benefit to being able to present who you are in, in real, authentic manner um, that goes beyond like a printed page or, or even a TV commercial. It's, it's an authenticity because you're talking about who you are. And, and we continue to do We don't do them every day anymore. We kept it up for a full more than a year that we did Facebook Live every single day. We do it once a week, and and often I'm the host, and you know, put me in front of a microphone, and I'll go gab for half an hour about dolphins. <laughs> I, I have no problem. I just wing it. So that's great. No, it's such an awesome example, and so amazing to see just how you've been able to to leverage Facebook Live to be able to to build that demand. And I love what you said about advertising is what you say about yourself, and PR is what other people say about you, say. is what you get other people to say mm -hmm. about you. Yeah. So being able to look at that from a, a reputation strengthening standpoint of whether it is your reputation of the guest experience and being able to to influence that whether it's through online reviews or social media uh, as well as the employee experience and why it's uh, just so valuable to come and work for this organization and in your case people being able to really connect and, and just latch on to the mission. Well and one thing that I really took from all of those uh, examples was the word interaction. 
right? If you're yeah. getting people to interact with you and your brand and understand who you are authentically, mm -hmm. then you're going to attract the people that want to be involved, whether that's a guest and potentially a member or an employee that's going to be immediately bought in. You know, so often we, we have employees that come and I think we were talking about this yesterday where people will, you know, fill out applications and, and apply to 10 different places at once, yeah. right? And that's just kind of that blanket you know, shotgun approach, do they really buy into the mission? Do they really understand what they're getting into? Whereas if they've already interacted with you, they've already had some contact and, and you know, um, interacted with the brand and the, and the facility, they know what they're getting into. And again, once they step on property, they're much more bought in as a guest or as an employee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, and from the application standpoint, kind of even even looking at it from that standpoint, one of the uh, one of the speakers in the general sessions talked about the the difficulty of of filling out a job application in in many cases. And uh, you know, when when I look at things from the guest experience, we talk about like ticketing, like how easy is it to buy a ticket? Like you want your guests to be able to get to your website, get to your ticket page, buy a ticket very seamlessly, very easy, very intuitively. Uh, and it's like we. We can look at that from the job application standpoint as well for someone who, who has built that desire, uh, but also then uh, I would say like diving in deeper because of course you, you don't want that shotgun approach. So you want to perhaps at least take care of a lot of the administrative component and then be able to, to get them to a spot where they then maybe need to add a little more in as far as, as far as why it's important for them to be applying for this particular position. Yeah. Oh, Jared. Hey, Jared Reed, Wild Florida. Just one comment about social media speaking from both sides so we we thought we did a pretty good job at social media during the pandemic and everything like that well i guess we weren't because all of our you know followers were saying hey you're not posting as much as we want even current employees are like hey we need to be more out there so we really revisited it the first of the year we hired a full-time social media employee good. she's salary sits in their office goes out and posts every single day does multiple things on all different platforms it's been really good. Uh, even somebody yesterday here at the conference mentioned that they're noticing that um, more, and I thought that was really cool. So um, it even got to a point where we need to hire someone full-time instead of just partially doing it. Yeah. But your employees nice. wanted it too. That's what you're Correct. saying, yeah. and yeah. That, that's thing. how we, we see it. We just hired a full-time communications associate, associate for the Pirate Museum and the Colonial Quarter, and it's made a huge difference because, you know, she's that's all she does, and, and she's really focused on it, and she's having fun, and she's out there going to our live concerts at night. <laughs> posting live videos and um, going through and doing the cannon firings, you know, and doing the reels with that. So it's been definitely a well worth it position. And when we advertised for that position, we had like 60 applicants, we had 20 interviews, and we, it was really hard because we had great, great qualified people to pick, to pick one, but I think we did a great job. So. I think one of the things that you, you mentioned is that that I believe in your social media there is a, is authenticity because you can do a very polished produced commercial you can do a polished ad but when you are on your social media and it is pictures of the experience and it is the text you're doing I believe that it enhances the message through the authenticity and people respond that because that is what the consumer is looking for it's real mm -hmm. that yeah. Yes. I think yeah. our employees look for it, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, our employees have jumped in with both feet as far as, I want to do one, I want to do one, you know. Um, so, 
I think it does hit both sides. I'm, I'm thinking your hypothesis is getting good. So you may awesome. not you may not be scientists, but I think you're hitting it on the head. <laughs> well, awesome. you all are hitting it on the head. Yeah. And look at the audience then posting their own right. pictures of, of their experience with us and tagging us. Right. Yeah. Especially with the kind of things that you guys both have with the interaction with animals. I mean, what better platform do you have than interacting with live animals? Oh, I love you, Cindy. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think that's you guys going to the Colonial. I mean, that's a living history. Yeah, I, like, I, I, everybody has Everybody it. loves explosions, so, you know. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid uh, just be, if you don't have animals. I mean, look, you, and you've you got know, animals too, Jerry. If, if you're a kayaking trip yeah. and you're putting people, you know, in that I I experiential interaction sure. in, is wide open. So I would love to dig a little deeper on that, especially on the employee side, because as we talk about authenticity and what the employee's really going to go through, they're going to have some challenging times, oh, right? Yeah. Like when, when they are interacting with someone who's not happy with the product and they have mm -hmm. to, you know, maybe refund somebody or somebody's yelling at them and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So how do we share with an employee what the real experience is going to be like so that when they come in, they're not saying, you know, 30 days in, oh, you didn't tell me I was going to have to, I'm going to have to deal with like angry people. Like you said, this was going to be a fun job. So I'm curious where that balance is. Yeah, all about setting those expectations. We so do tell our people, um, ex I, won't, I won't say that we tell everybody, but definitely our guest service, our, our front of the line people, our guest service, our education, our photo, our trainers, definitely the front of the line people are told you know, we work in a human world and we are all animal people. <laughs> now there's a reason we're animal people. Maybe we don't like humans, I don't know. So we tell them we work in a human world and we can't please everybody. Even if we've done everything right, somebody's gonna be dissatisfied. So we do tell them that. We may not tell them that they w might get spit on or, you know, yell that to the nth degree, but we do tell them that there are going to be unhappy people and it doesn't matter what you do, you can't make them happy. And we've taught them to say, I'm really sorry that you didn't get the experience you desired. We always offer for them to redo the experience. Yeah. Would you like wow. to, we do. Would you like to redo the experience on your time? If we're, if we have something available that next slot, we'll put them in. If not, they can't stay that long. When would you like to come back? We always offer them to redo the experience because we don't want them to leave that way. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, we say then, I'm sorry, we have to agree to disagree that we did our best and unfortunately we could not meet your expectations. What I really like is how you actually just covered both uh, expectations for employees and expectations for guests all, all in one breath right there, actually. Yeah. So really, like, I was going to say, let's flip it, but you, you kind of, like, like wove, it, uh, wove it in right there. Because, you know, when we look at, at just expectations in general, you know, we started talking about, you know, expectations for employees. What's this job going to be like? I, you know, we, we also talk about it from the guest side as well, as far as setting expectations for guests. It was one of the things I, I talked about in my breakout yesterday, that, uh, you know, that, that expectation in our industry needs to to be incredibly high because of all of the alternative options that we have there's obviously there's other attractions within your region or other ways to just occupy your time money resources and then there's everything else if i'm sitting on my couch binge watching stranger things on netflix like it means i'm not coming and visiting your attraction right <laughs> i know it's scary yeah every time i see a tree with weird roots like we're walking around, we're walking around palm beach the other day and i'm like there's one of those big 
trees with the big roots. I'm like, oh my god. It's the upside down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. I, I need to get away from here. <laughs> <laughs> I. But you know, there's there's all those alternative options, which include you know, obviously like Netflix, of course, is just like one example of that. I. So we need to set that expectation extremely high. And I would say the same thing needs to be for employees as well, as of the expectation of working here needs to be high enough to be able to get that job application just to come in for someone to say, like, this looks like a desirable place for me to work. And then the challenge for both of those lies on exceeding that expectation. So on operations, which is going above and beyond and creating those those wow experiences, yes. uh, and then creating those wow experiences for employees as well, of saying, like, I thought this job was going to be great, but it's actually amazing. Uh, so I would actually transition the conversation into that of saying, what are some of the ways you exceed your employees' high expectations? Um, well, I think I talked about it yesterday. I have Cindy from the Colonial Experience in the Pirate Museum. Um, one of our employees, we, we like to embrace and empower our employees to come up with ideas on projects and displays and activities in both museums. So we had one of our employees that helped put together with his own sweat hammering, building construction, a whole agricultural exhibit with a cat with a cow roping experience to talk about the history of cattle and agriculture in Florida, which is 500 years now. Yeah. It's been 500 years since the first cattle came. So just as while we were here, he was building this enclosure and he's setting it all up and then sending us videos of him yesterday with interacting with the guests, showing the kids how to rope a cow. So, and He's super excited about it. He can't wait to jump into another um, idea and add more and more to the experience, but nobody's been asking him to do it. We just allow them to come up with ideas on things to do and, and always allow them to use their own ideas and blood, sweat, and tears to make these things happen. Awesome. So the expectation is sort of freedom. Yes. Yeah. Right? That you have the autonomy, you have the empowerment to do what you feel is right in that particular situation. And I think that's incredibly powerful for any employee. I mean, think about the positions that many of you are in, you know, as business leaders, business owners, where you get to do, I don't want to say what you want, but you have a lot of influence and input on what you do. And think about that from a frontline employee's perspective. If they're kind of given a project and given the empowerment to make the decisions, I mean, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, we do, we do that in our retail shop, too, at the Pirate Museum. Um, you know, the, the people that work behind the desk selling tickets are also allowed to go and, like, rearrange an area if they want to. And they, and, they, and they get so excited. Oh, my gosh, you have to come and see what I just did here. It looks so good. You know, and they're learning another skill in merchandising outside of their already sales skills of selling and upselling tickets and combos. So that gives them ownership of what we have and you know that now they're like all looking through all the um catalogs online to buy new merchandise and look what i found we could buy this we could buy this so um empowering and giving them the opportunity to step outside of what traditionally their role is makes them feel like part of the whole organization and they're they're contributing to every aspect of it we Mary. have opportunities for 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 people not to feel pigeonholed in their department. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we are a smaller staff. We have had staffing issues since the pandemic. So we, we and ever, actually ever since Hurricane Irma, because we lost a number of people in Hurricane Irma, that we do a lot of cross-training, a lot of cross-training in different departments. So you may have an opportunity to help out in a department that is not at all 
at all yours. And when, and when I say, and sometimes it's at the holidays when we were blessedly busy, um, the photography staff and the guest services staff, which are both shorthanded, were all out like doing the pictures of guests or helping the new people coming in. Even our president was over in photo sales, showing customers their photos. And, and so, so leadership from top down does the cross training, but it, it can be simple things. You know, I mean, we're not all animal trainers. We don't all get to work every single day with the, with the dolphins and things like that, but there are opportunities. Maybe you're going out there and you're holding an umbrella for shade to shade the dolphin's eyes, or you're helping and you're swim monitoring, or, you know, or, you know I'm, I'm cross-trained in, in how to do narrations for the public for the narrated sessions, or how to help the research department with research observations. So there's a lot of that, and it's, it's very positively rewarding. Uh, you know, we are animal people, so positive reinforcement is the, the key. The key. <laughs> and relationship and positive reinforcement. So there are different ways to reinforce people uh, in, in that kind of thing. And it's nice because then you can get away from the, the front desk and go out and spend a little time out in, in the sunshine and, and breathe some fresh air. So, uh, you know, there's the golden rule is treat, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We embrace the platinum rule, which was do unto others as they would prefer that you do onto them. So it's also understanding what motivates, what is rewarding to, to that other person and then trying to give some of, of that. And again, it's all the communication and knowing each other as a family and, and, and things like that. So I think that that's important. We're in the same boat. Um we have a gentleman who has worked with Marine Land for over 30 years. I think it's 36 this year. But um, And then we have our brand new babes. So we always kind of set up a mentorship. And, of course, our older one's a little gruff and <laughs> scary, you know. And he's really not. He's just a teddy bear. But he works in the maintenance department, and I found out that he does woodwork and that he loves woodwork. So, yes, he still works in the maintenance department, and yes, he still does what we need him to do as far as electrical and the stuff that he's skilled at. But when there's not a project like that going on, he is creating something out of wood. You and I both know that wood doesn't last forever, but we don't care because it makes him so happy, you know. And so he makes our um, ambassador wood pieces that we stand around the property for people to take pictures with. Um, but something else we do is we found a lot of burnout during COVID because we had less employees doing a lot more work. And so we just switched departments. Okay, you three are going to go to that department today. You three are going to go to that department today. And it really helped their morale and it helped them get to know the other department members. Um, you can't do that in the height of your season, but you can definitely do it in what you call your lull. So, um, but I think that's rewarding for them. And it helps them appreciate the other, well, we're doing this all the time. What are they doing? You know, it helps them appreciate what your other coworkers are doing. So, and most of our employees come because somebody who works for us said, you've got to join us. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you're going to love it. You're going to have the best time. So that's how we get most of our employees. So then that, that kind of completes the, uh, I, would say, I would say the cycle, because it should be you know, very, very cyclical of, of like the employee experience that when they're so satisfied that they are, A, hopefully you know, staying, you're able to retain them for a significant amount of time, uh, but then B, they, they become you know, your, your advocates and, and your evangelists for, uh, you know, for that. I, 
I talk about that a lot from from the guest experience side of doing that from the guest standpoint. So I would say actually that would be a perfect point to, to flip it to say, I, I know Mary, you talked about kind of using Facebook and social media and things like that. Uh, would love to hear as far as the guest advocacy uh, for them to say the same thing as far as uh, you need to you need to go yeah. whether it's instead of uh, you need to go work there you need to you need to go buy a ticket you need to go visit with your family. So anybody have any any creative solutions in that department? No, I don't <laughs> want to keep my hogging. Here, Jared. Right, well, we just we just finished the and this is Jared again, Wild Florida. I just finished at the end of May. We do uh, what we call a Gator Week where. Mm-hmm. Um, in previous years, we've done it free. You know, you come to the park, for, you can get in for free just to our park. But, but now we've tried to do it more focused on conservation. And actually, uh, you know, being an animal park ourselves, you know, conservation is everything. Mm-hmm. And, man, people show up and yep. they open their wallets. And the idea of saving animals in any capacity is, is awesome. So that's one thing we've done that have caused our guests to want to come back every year. They know in May it's Gator Week and they come. It's like something they can look forward to. Yeah. I want to go to Gator Week. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'll be back. I'll be back. Plan for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your happy customer is your is is your best referral. I mean, and that's mm-hmm. that's in anything. But when you look at like, so we are a nonprofit. We have a membership program. So when someone renews their membership, every level of membership has a certain number of unlimited free admission for the year. But we also, depending on the level of membership, give them passes to give to their friends, mm-hmm. because if if they can also say, hey, look, I'm a member, and look here, go and take that. We have a chance to convert that other person to a member. When they come in, they have the proud member sticker, or they have, they come in with a member, proud friend of a member, or a friend of a proud member. So that, and, and they're always acknowledged in our narrations. We see the member stickers and things, but we, we see the referrals. We will see people on our Facebook page tell other commenters, oh, you've never been there, you have to, you have to go and, and, and visit. And then looking at it just from like a, a business and from a marketing standpoint, uh, you find that that's probably a lower cost of acquisition mm-hmm. than perhaps a lot of other traditional marketing and, mm-hmm. and advertising. Actually, very much going back to the point you're saying earlier of saying focus on the, the PR standpoint, mm-hmm. get your get your most satisfied people to now say things about you and then even give them that little mm-hmm. push, that incentive to that pass to bring that friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they can come and see it for themselves. So. I think one of the things that... Um, I think we infer or kind of assume is that we're providing a great experience, right? And that's got to be kind of the, the foundation of are people going to come back, right? right? Is it Are they naturally going to organically say, Jared, you got to come to Gator Week, right? Because it was such a great experience, whether or not we're incentivizing them through a, through a, some kind of program, which I think is, is great to kind of have those, those mechanisms out there. Um, but to me, again, the, the bedrock is, is it a great experience? And I know you all you know, have such great experiences that people naturally want to talk about it. Um, so to me, that's one of the things that we, we can't overlook is you know, we can try to get people to, to give us a review. And I know Josh has a story about going up to a, a, a valet and ask, oh. they, they ask for a review before you even experience the, <laughs> the, uh, the service. Um, so looking at the service first and using that as our, as our framework. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the quick story is that I, I pulled up to the to the valet, uh, and a gentleman comes up. He gives me the ticket, gives me the the instructions to retrieve my car. Uh, he then gives me a, a card, the TripAdvisor logo, and said, "I would love it if you'd posted a positive review about me." And I looked at him and I said, "About what? <laughs> about 
you giving me this ticket and the instructions to get my car? I said, get, deliver an experience and there will be something that is worth reviewing. So right. re- reviews cannot be for the sake of reviews. They, you know, they are for the sake of an experience. And Matt, like you said, the, the, the bedrock of the foundation is that is that phenomenal positive experience. Yeah. We do have little cards that we give out at the end. If people you know, are saying, oh my gosh, this was the greatest thing ever, you know, then we'll hand them the card and say, here, you know, can you please say something on these, on these review sites about your experience? Yeah. And on your social media, you have to, like, we, incent- we encourage people, please share our post. Mm-hmm. Please share this live. Because then that's sending us to all, everybody in their circle. Right. And that is extremely valuable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think just like we talked about, um, you know, somebody coming into your organization as an employee, that's got to be an easy experience. And getting someone into the organization um, as a guest needs to be an easy experience. If we want the reviews, that's got to be an easy experience too, right? We've got to show them where the button is. Mm-hmm. Mary, earlier you talked about the donation button, right? We've got to, we've got to show them where that button is and make it easy for them because people have so many things going on. So I know you talked about frictionless yeah. yesterday. So it's got to be frictionless if, if those are the behaviors we want them to, to display. And, and as a bit of a side note here for everyone out there listening, if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review and also share it with others. You know, it's we talk about it all day and, and say like you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. We don't have nearly the amount of reviews that I think we should for having 250 episodes. So yes. if you're listening, if you enjoy it, leave us a review. If you don't, let us know. Let us know what we can do to improve. That's right. <laughs> so one of the areas that I think we need to focus on is looking at how we retain employees and how we create loyalty with guests, right? Very similar kind of concepts. So I'm curious with the group, what kind of things do you do maybe from a, a guest perspective to to invite them back, to create loyalty in your guests to uh, continue to, to visit? Audrey Jowett from Revolution Adventures. Um, how do we get people to come back? Well, the simple answer is we offer them a membership. Um, at, if you sign up with us for the year, um, specifically, specifically, I should say, for uh, things like archery, we don't do it on our motorised activities, but we do it for fishing and we do it for archery, we do it for shooting. And if you sign up with us, we'll give you, we'll refund you the cost of your initial. Um, it's just a clever way around, really, of saying you got this one for free. But um, that's 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 what we do. Um, we have a lot of people who genuinely say, "Well, we come to Florida four times a year. It's worth the money," um, and it's because we're giving them back that initial fee. Uh, it does. Then we send them a newsletter, a membership newsletter, from time to time. If we've got something to talk about, you know, we've got new arrows that have got specific weights on them, or we've got a new target that's going to go there, or we've bought in a, an animal target instead of just straightforward target archery. You can now shoot at an, an animal if that makes you feel better, um, <laughs> and, and so on. What a lot of people do come to us pre-hunting season so they can they can hone up their skills but that's what we do okay excellent excellent thank you yeah. so uh, so you're offering that membership and, and allowing them basically to apply their price of admission towards yes. it by, by refunding it so yeah. yeah excellent yes I'm Lauren Perry and I work at the Henry Morrison Flagler Museum and being a nonprofit museum we also have a membership program 
and um, you basically get free admission for the entire year that you are a member um, from the day that you sign up till the day it expires and you also get invited to special members only events so we have special receptions where you get sneak peeks at our exhibition exhibitions um, you get to come and mix and mingle with other like-minded people who are interested in history and supporting cultural arts in the local area um, we provide entertainment um, you know obviously free food uh, drinks and refreshments um, but then you also get discounts on a lot of our programs throughout the year um, we also offer a really special tea service in our Flagler Keenan Pavilion, which is basically a glass room. It um, is where Henry Flagler's rail car is housed, and you get to sit down and have a Gilded Age style tea, and if you're a member, you get a discount on that as well. So a lot of people use their memberships to entertain, to bring visitors, so if we have a seasonal person who's here six months out of the year and they have guests throughout that time, um, we, we see a lot of our members bringing their visitors and their guests um, to come and visit and then of course the locals support us because they'd like to attend our programs year-round excellent thank you yeah. fantastic yeah. so let's flip it <laughs> let's flip yeah. it well first of all I'd love to kind of kind of talk about some of the things that they both mentioned that I think are very similar um, and that is giving people something to do that's different the next time around right yeah so whether it's a different arrow or something else to shoot at or um, you know giving them the, the tea uh, experience or you know something something new free food um, I think keeping things fresh and giving something uh, additional or different for people to experience um, I think that's really critical when you think about loyalty because you don't want to go back and do the same thing over and over again right Go ahead. I will say our local audience here in the Palm Beach County market actually relies on us to put on certain events that have become family traditions. So for instance, we have a Christmas tree lighting, we have an Easter egg hunt on our lawn, and we get repeat visitors to most of those holiday experiences. Our sure. Mother's Day tea sells out, our Valentine's Day tea sells out because that's been something we've been doing for years and years and years, and we almost sell out based on word of mouth at this point. That's awesome. So it's almost like this this combination and balance of, yes. of building traditions that are repeatable, and people want them to be exactly that they want to they want to have to have them multiple years in a row of you know the the tree lighting or the tea service, uh, and at the same time, what's you know what's something you can't do today? What's something you didn't do last time that you'll be able to do on your next visit? Like the the new uh, the new targets in the archery range. Right. So yeah. yeah 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 cool. All right, so let's go ahead and flip that. All right, let's talk about keeping your employees, whether it's coming into work every single day or extending their longevity within the organization, ultimately uh, uh, retaining employees. Tom. Um, I'm Tom from Lion Country Safari. Um, one thing that we've started doing is we have the kindness committee and we do different things for the employees. We do um, like breakfast in the morning or we'll do like um, lunch and different things like that. We also do thank you cards birthday cards and it's kind of like not a one fit thing for each employee some employees like the older crowd will appreciate the breakfast the younger crowd kind of appreciates the lunch some people appreciate the thank you cards so it kind of shows you like different things work for different people so you know you might get you know 50 people appreciate the breakfast and then you know 20 people might appreciate the lunch but you know you got to do the different things to mix it up to keep everyone happy 
I was going to say, I, I think that's really important <laughs> because just like we heard with the guests, there's certain things that will bring guests back or certain things that they appreciate being a tradition. And it's the same with employees, yeah. right? And so I, I think back to my experience, you know, working as a manager and if everybody didn't show up to the breakfast, we thought it was a failure, yeah. right? Or if everybody didn't, you know, like this particular incentive we were doing, it was a failure. But I think what you're, you know, really alluding to is that, you know, you do have to meet people where they are and it's not necessarily the same for everybody and that's okay mm -hmm. that's really okay yeah and, and then even the importance of having that wide variety of different whether it's incentives or recognition opportunities and things like that uh, acknowledging that people want to be appreciated in different ways uh, is critical to that retention because if it is with an attempt at being a one-size-fits-all type of type of model and there's someone who you know says, well I don't you know I don't eat breakfast like if it was just a breakfast like you know that it's not worth it for me. I don't care. Like this won't, you know, not me though. I would come to the breakfast every time. But, you know, for someone who might say, well, you know, th this doesn't align with something that, you know. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. sometimes you give up on things because, you know, I mean, you, you think they're not working. But, you know, then the crowd that appreciates that, you know, kind of feels that, you know, you might not care anymore because you gave up. But, mm. you know, it's very important to keep those things for the ones that do because it makes a big impact. Yeah. Yeah. John Stavely with the Pirate Museum and Colonial Experience in St. Augustine. A uh, big shift we've had in the last year especially is we've become extremely flexible with scheduling and time off. Uh, it's something that we didn't really feel we needed to do in the past, but now people insist on it. And I think what we've been through recently, a lot of folks are saying, you know, I need more personal time. You know, my sister flew in, I'm going to spend the weekend with her. And so we've learned to not challenge that anymore. Um, it's legitimate. They need a reason to, to, to be off, and so we accept that. And so we've uh, really had to make a shift in the way we staff um, in order to accommodate that. And I think it's really a shift in mindset, too, right? Just being open to that. Um, you know, I think as we were coming out of the, the main part of the pandemic, I will say, because there's still, obviously, COVID is out there still. Um, but it really was a switch between, you know, is it an, an employer market or an employee-driven market, right? And I think we're... we're right in the middle of a, an employee driven market where you know they are the ones that have the power if you will because they can say i'm not working this weekend because my sister's in town right and if they're a good employee and you want to keep them for other reasons then you know in the past that might have been okay well sayonara we're never going to see you again but now it's like okay we'll make that accommodation right mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean i remember 10 years ago, which is 2012, it was yeah, still kind of part of the recession. I remember I had, I had filing cabinets of, of job applications, and, and I, had, I had this one uh, supervisor who, who would open that. It was actually probably an overly intimidating type of way to do it, but to say, like, if there's employee conflict, open up this filing cabinet of here's all these applications we have. Here's a line of people waiting to take your job. Um, whether that's, you know, a good thing or a bad thing, I would say is, is debatable, <laughs> but uh, very much not the, uh, uh, now, it's, now it's the other way around. Now the employee's got that filing cabinet of, well, not really, but, you know, of, of people who want them to come work for them. So, uh, yeah, any other any other examples of uh, employment? I think this, Josh, I think you've hit the nail on the head quite here because... Sometimes you feel as if your employees are driving the business forward and you are on the back burner because you didn't think about it. And one of the things I think that, that helps to retain people and, and get their loyalty is to make sure that whatever they come up with as, as an idea, good or bad, they share it with you first rather than tell other employees about it, particularly if it's a negative. And you know, 
necessity is the mother of invention they say but negativity is a killer's a killer part of that so if you if you hear that well I was with so-and-so and and he told me that we're not going to do employee of the month anymore and I think that's wrong you know you should do that okay well we're not going to do employee of the month anymore because of this but what do you think is a good idea let me hear what you're saying uh, as a good idea don't just tell me the whinge tell me what you're your resolve yeah. that is yeah, when you when you crowdsource those types of ideas then then the employees have more ownership yeah. over it as well instead of saying you know this this doesn't work but like actually really uh, uh, give those opportunities to suggest what they want to see and then and then they'll have more hopefully more stake in it when you know once it's once it's released once yeah. it's launched wouldn't you also say that's the same for the guests absolutely right listening to the guest <laughs> suggestions yeah. and and um, uh, even reporting back to this is what we did Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now we could dive into the topic of guest feedback, you know, and, and collecting and, and using guest feedback to, uh, whether it's create operational enhancements or, or just overall uh, improvements to the business uh, that are driven by what guests are saying they, they want to see and what they don't want to see and, and aligning that constructive feedback uh, and, and not looking at it as a negative complaint, but reframing it as something that, uh, that they're able to do to... Um, uh, to be able to actually be a part of the business's continuous improvement. So does anybody have any examples of, of changes that they have made due to guest feedback? I have one. So we have um, a guest that comes with a um, disabled ch- uh, adult. And um, one of the things they had mentioned, um, we have like a flamingo viewing area. And the way the fence is built, you know, it's like a picket fence and they can't see through the fence and it's something that you know we didn't really realize because of the way the view is so we redesigned the fence in that area and then they had also asked um, about adult changing um, stations in the bathrooms and it's like something that you know we didn't really think about because we have a first aid station and when they come they ask if they can use the first aid area so we're redesigning the bathrooms at the splash area so one of the things we added to the plan is the adult changing stations and we fixed the you know changed the fence but it's also an area where kids walk up to too and they can't see through the fence and it's you know looking at things from a different guest perspective is something that we don't think about every day you know because we're just walking by it and we can all see over the fence but just looking at it from a different person's perspective yeah no that i was able to follow up with the guest and let them know like you know we're making these changes and it was great because there are you know annual pass holders that come all the time and they're still going to come but being able to accommodate them and increase their length of stay in the park now that's amazing, yeah, and it just stresses the importance of of why guest feedback is so important. And one of the the biggest arguments against it that I hear is, well, I know everything that's going on in my business. Like I, I walk outside of my office, and I you know I, I can see everything that's going on, and, and and whatever it is, and that might be true, but is for it is from the the lens of the individual who's observing it and is is not looking at the needs of of every other type of guest demographic that's out there. So yeah. you know, being able to to get that from the guest was critical because it might not have been anything that that we're able to see with you know with, with you know the, the way our eyes are adjusted towards what we're looking at yeah, yeah. one of the greatest um, training exercises that I did at one of my uh, one of my jobs was you know we actually had a, a wheelchair that we would put able-bodied team members in and we would get them to go around the the park in that wheelchair and have another employee push them around right and then they saw how how tough it was to get up on a curb right or they saw what the what the perspective is um, from that from that wheelchair uh, perspective and then we also blindfolded 
you know, somebody and ask somebody else to kind of walk them around. And, and that's where you start to see how uneven your pavement is, mm-hmm. right? And how hard it is to walk up that little itty bitty incline that doesn't look like much when you can see it, but when you're not expecting it and now you're starting to walk up a hill, it looks and it feels very, very different. So uh, putting yourself literally in your guest shoes, I think is is critical to be able to see what some of those things are. And then Tom, you said that these are annual pass holders and they, and they keep coming back year over year and they're renewing their pass. So it's like this, this is good for business, right? Like, yeah. and, and think of the the advocacy about it as well that they're they're telling people how much Lion Country cares and, about their experience. Yeah, and there's, you know, I mean, and there's other guests that, you know, I mean, would share the similar experience that may, you know, I mean, that probably aren't going to send that email or say something that, you know, now are coming and seeing those changes that have been made and are, you know, are probably going to get that annual pass and tell their friends and become new pass holders that we might have missed out on the opportunity on just because they came and it was a bad experience for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that actually kind of brings up something that I think would be interesting to, to talk a little bit about is eliciting that feedback when it's not offered. You know, if you have a way for your team members to provide a suggestion or feedback, but they don't, you know, there, there's nothing in the suggestion box or the same thing with, with, you know, a TripAdvisor or Google, if they're not giving those reviews, how do you get that feedback from people? You ready for a stat here? <laughs> 96% of people who have a complaint don't complain. So when you look at if you see that, you know, that negative review on TripAdvisor, take that and, and multiply it by you know, 24, you know, 25 or so. Because that's, you know, there, it's the amount of people that that also impacted who didn't say anything, who just aren't going to come back. And I have no reason to think that that doesn't just apply also to the employee side of it as well. To say there's a, a lot of employees, they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to be labeled as a complainer. You know, I'll just deal with it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, until one day there's, well, you know, this job's just not for me. Why? I, you know, don't worry about it. It's, it's just me. It's just personal reasons. You know, something like that. Uh, but being able to get that feedback gives you the opportunity to then make that improvement. Do you know what? We have a, um, a chat room is set up, a group chat, and we call it Revved Up. So, uh, for revolution, obviously, but um, in the Revved Up, you can say whatever you like, um, no holds barred. And it can be, can't be anonymous because obviously it's come from your phone or you're in the group <laughs> chat, but it's amazing what does come out in the group chat. And when they think there's in the privacy, they, I mean, employees think that it's all private in here I can say what I like and actually they do and we promised Kevin and I that we would never comment on revved up unless it was a positive so we will never say by the way you didn't clean the bikes properly this afternoon and we've got to do it again tomorrow morning blah 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 what we say is well done team it was great oh by the way we forgot to wish Josh a happy birthday Uh, so I want you all to do it and within minutes you know they'll all come up with that but you do find some very interesting things in there which you have to take away as an, as an employer and you think, okay, well, yeah, I need to look at that in a, in a different way. But they feel safe in their chat room and they feel that they can say whatever they like uh, and often do. And I think that's where you can then turn it around to the other thing. You can't always act on everything they want because mostly it's money related or they want more money for doing the same job but they're not prepared to do it better or to add anything to it. Um, And so you think, well, I'm whinging in the background here but it's a safe place to be. So, you know, I'd encourage everybody to have a dumping pot almost. You know, that's where you go and, and dump. 
Yeah. Well, also, thank you for the birthday wishes. <laughs> this episode is airing two days before my birthday, so I, I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> I, I, I knew that, obviously. <laughs> well, I think the safe space is really critical for guests yeah. and for for employees because that's where you get the truth right so often I talk to people about the the management meetings they have and they say well nobody you know um, chimes in they don't say anything or everything's fine right but once you get them into the more vulnerable safe spot where they know that they're not going to have any negative repercussions and that something might actually happen that's positive from this if they're suggesting something that might impact their work environment like this is going to you know, actually be listened to by someone, that's really empowering as well. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that there's somebody on the other end. And I think that a huge part of that is showing your intention to say, I am seeking feedback knowing that the answers might not be just self-serving or something I want to hear. How often are we sitting in a restaurant and the manager comes by and just quickly says, is everything all right tonight? Yep. Okay, yep. great. Everything good. Boom. On to the next. Like, all right, checked it off. Everyone's fine, right? I, there was one time I, I was returning a car with Alamo. I'm sure, Matt, I've probably shared this story with you. <laughs> I and, and I returned the car. Uh, the the gentleman who who you know he took the keys did the inspection around it uh, and then he said what could we have done to have improved this experience for you not did everything go okay you know is there anything that we could have done he specifically phrased the question that he was looking he was looking for me to complain and and I was really impressed to the point where I felt bad that I was like no everything actually was really good <laughs> I was like well maybe that's also a testament to their service culture if they're trying to seek all that feedback to make those improvements that in my instance I didn't have any friction in my experience so I was like I'm, I was like I'm gonna think about this I'm on, on the plane I'm gonna think if there was anything you know that, <laughs> that I had to complain and I, and I didn't but he had that he had that intention to say you know and, and this was obviously from the guest standpoint uh, to, to look for feedback that might not just be glowing positive fluff yeah well, when you think about it, people who do complain on TripAdvisor or uh, leave you a bad comment or a bad review, they're in their safe space because yeah. they didn't have the courage to tell you face-to-face when they were there. And 90% of how we feed back to them, we always re- respond to negative um, comments, is what a shame you didn't tell us when, before you left. Why didn't you tell us before <laughs> you left and gave us the opportunity to put it right? But that's their space. That's, right. that's their yeah. safe place to be. So I think we have to respect that too. And you have to read more into it. Well, what actually did happen? Yeah. Why have you felt so inclined to go down my driveway and then tell me what's wrong? Why didn't you tell me then? So you're right. We need a safe space to be able to complain. Because they couldn't see the mailbox anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which is ironic that that the their their safe space and their you know in in their home at their computer in their hotel room on their phone is also what they're telling the entire world that they just say okay I feel more comfortable just telling everyone else but but not telling AJ. Well, I think that's true of a lot of people just in terms of you know bad news or something that's not comfortable to talk about. Right, it's more more comfortable to put it in your phone than to talk to another human being because what's your phone going to do, right? I mean, yeah, you might get some negative comments, but you can choose not to read those. If I'm going to give Tom some some feedback about his performance that I know he's not going to like hearing, right, that might be uncomfortable for me to, to share that, that information with him because it's going to be uncomfortable for him and the whole nine yards. So we have to really think about what is what is that safe space? What is comfortable for people? And then maybe the next step of that is, especially with employees, because you see those folks almost every day, how do we make that environment safe, right? Having the, the revved up area is, is a great spot. Are there other ways that we can make the personal interactions 
more safe so that they're willing to come to us. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? I'm only thinking that you have to you have to develop a place so where it's safe to say these things. So if you do have to say something to an employee, you don't do it in general public areas. You generally bring them in your office and so on and so forth. So maybe we do need to think more about where they have their break time being a safer space mm. than, and making it more comfortable for them to, instead of waiting to the end of the day and, and typing it on, the, on their space, they could actually feel safe enough to share it. And I think that's something we probably all need to work on is to say, yeah, look, it's okay to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't come in my office and complain for seven and a half of your eight hours, but you can come in here for 10 minutes if it's really bothering you. Um, perhaps that's what we need to do, open mm. open more doors or something. Maybe, and, and encourage people to do that. Yeah. But I also really liked what you said about that revved up space because you said you and Kevin have committed that you're not going to go in there and say anything negative. Exactly. Right? It's, it's all about positive. And I think when we are looking at those kind of uncomfortable situations, so often it's about the relationship, right? Do we have a strong enough relationship that, again, we'll go back to Tom, Tom and I can have that kind of conversation because we have a strong relationship because we've given a a lot of positives right we've already created a safe space a per- safe personal space where we can have those kind of conversations and then even if it gets uncomfortable or even a little heated we know we have the foundation of a, of a solid relationship and there's no consequence that, that's the real thing you, you can say whatever you want there are no consequences perhaps in this in this particular instance obviously there are consequences to be done if they're you know, le- illegal or whatever but um, <laughs> You have to give people the confidence to have that space uh, and be, we're not going to act upon it because you've told me that you've broken a whatever it might be. Right. Or it could just be a, a thing about, you know, this person I'm working with is saying things that make me uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the kind of position you need to get yourself into with your staff. The most important thing, though, is how you said earlier on, how do you retain them? Because there are people who just don't want to talk about it. I'm not that kind of person. I don't want to say that. I'd rather leave than say it. uh, And that's something we need to think about, too. Mm -hmm. Cool. So what about taking all this and and driving loyalty, both from the the guest and the employee standpoint? So we've talked about... Uh, we're talking about retention and kind of woven that into, uh, you know, managing conflict. Um, and curious as far as, like, now reaching, like, the final phase of, of referrals, word of mouth, both from the guest side and the employee side. So we've talked about some great ways to keep our guests uh, coming back again and again, keep our employees retained and comfortable in their environment. Uh, and then what about ways to uh, encourage guests to tell others that they need to come visit? Uh, as well as encouraging your employees to share how positive of a work environment they have so that others apply for a job. Um, one, one thing that um, we do, we have like an employee referral program where they get um, an incentive. They get like $50 if they refer a friend. So that's um, worked out pretty good because you know, if you have great employees, normally they have good friends for the most part. <laughs> um, so that's worked out um, pretty well for us um, and then so if they get friends or family to work there um, as long as they they have to complete their 90-day probation so that's the requirement for that and then I mean even when we do like the barbecues and stuff like that um, sometimes we try to do stuff like if we do days like we'll try to do days sometimes where they're allowed to bring their friends to that so that way their friends can see the park 
and stuff like that and have a good time. And then it's like an, an informal recruitment event. Yeah. Oh, by the way, <laughs> if you're enjoying this appreciation barbecue we're throwing, you know, here's here's an application. Yeah, so. if we do like a splash day or something. Nice. Did you have something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Danae with Dolphin Connection, and what I was going to say is that, um, I mentioned this prior, that we do uh, Google and TripAdvisor reviews. We encourage our team to get named in them, um, so they always joke with the guests, which makes it personable. We have a very intimate experience where we're at, so they'll say, if you liked us, my name's Susie, um, if you didn't like me, my name's Jamie, and it makes it a joke, <laughs> and so that's fun, and that creates that memorable moment for our guests, and then when they get that follow-up email that we send, they do engage in our surveys um, so not only do our employees get recognized because they have a named survey but also every review that we get I personally respond to yes it can be time-consuming but I make a personal approach to that so um, if it's mrs. Smith uh, I will make sure I use her by name I will thank her for her time and when she came um, and I'll try to make something personal about her, her experience whether it was thank you for celebrating your birthday with us or anything like that that personable response to their review will make them 10 times more um, likely to refer me to a friend because they're going to say they were so good. Even after we left, they were still acknowledging us personally. Mm -hmm. So I think that's good. Yeah. I, you want to hear another stat? <laughs> a five-star review is four times more likely to mention a personal interaction in a staff member than a four-star review. So if you think about, well, how can we, how can we really put fuel on the fire of our online reviews and word of mouth, then having that right in those direct service interactions and saying things like, yeah, if, yeah my name, my name's Josh. And you know, if, yeah, if, if you weren't satisfied, my name's, you know, Matt, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I, and then getting them to remember you and having, having the humans they interacted with being such a critical part of the experience and, and that being the, the memorable component of, of why they came and visited. Even, if the component, if they if they came for animals, not for humans, if they came for ATVs and archery, not for you know, not for you know, that's it is the humans that is delivering that are delivering the uh, the experience and facilitating those, and that's what the guest remembers. Yeah. Um, we had a very effective program with uh, tour guides where they would get a lot of really positive feedback at the end of their tour, and we were just trying to figure out a way to kind of reemphasize and amplify that personal naming of someone because a lot of times people walk out the door and they won't remember the name. So we started printing up business size cards and put all the social media on there and said, if you had a great, you know, my name was, and people write in their name. So the tour guide can write their name on this card, hand them something they can stick in their pocket. And when they're back in their hotel room, they pull it out and go, oh, Alex, I'll put that, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it just sort of reinforced, and it was very effective. All of a sudden we had a huge increase in reviews that weren't just positive, but they specifically named the people they came in contact yeah. with. So that was one way that worked for us. And then think about the people who are reading the, those reviews and doing the research and, and the amount of people who are influenced by by reviews that they know they're not just going to see a, you know, copy and paste. It was great. You know, it was fun. It was, but then but then seeing, like, we came for my birthday and, you know, John, you know, took us specifically, like, on this, you know, he was our tour guide and he did this and this and this. And it was amazing to learn from him. But then, then oh, the guest is having a a real experience that is not just a it's not just copy and paste right even though obviously you want the consistency yeah. of experience from one guest to another you also you also want that the, as much consistency as possible in that personalization that they're gonna the walk out with a with a true memory 
Well, and then how often does that lead to, you know, the word of mouth of, oh, you've got to go see John's tour, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Even if it's the only tour I've ever seen, if I had a great time, John's the best, right? And of course he is. And then John's getting booked by name. That's you know? the way it works. But that, is that <laughs> the way it works, right? And then you get more, you get more tours, and you get requested by name, and you know that's a confidence builder that feels good. Um, but I think that also works with the, you know, the guest in terms of. Oh, now I've now I've got a personal connection because my friend told me I got to go see John, and that's that's more of a per- personal connection than going to a company. And because mm-hmm. it feels special, because yeah. they've got a name, it's yeah. a little in for them, you yeah. know, and so that helps the relationship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, excellent. Well, this is fantastic. It is. This yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're uh, winding down on time yeah. uh, now. So uh, does anybody have any uh, kind of last thoughts about the employee experience, the guest experience? And, you know, our whole hypothesis is that there's many um, techniques that work for both. So I'd love to hear any kind of last thoughts that you have on that subject. I think we're in an incredibly challenging environment right now for both for employees and retention and uh, for guests that are um, they're in a hurry, they're more impatient than ever, uh, they can be a little grumpy, their expectations are incredibly high for what they want and they want it now. Um, and it's the same for employees in some ways. They're not willing to wait the three months that you're wanting them to wait to have something change. And so we just all have to be very diligent and look at things like we're doing today to figure out where can we be better. So now I think would be a good opportunity to talk about one thing that uh, comes up throughout all of our organizations for both the guest and employee experience. And personally, it's my favorite topic, and that is your angry guests and and your angry employees sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. talking about uh, service recovery, complaint resolution, uh, both on the guest and the employee side. Which, which side do you want to start on, Matt? I say we start with the guests because I think everybody's got a guest story that they can share of one of their worst experiences. So I'd love to hear somebody's kind of worst experience with a guest. And uh, and it might be funny. It might be, you know. And maybe it's the worst experience points. with a guest or maybe it is the best resolution. Maybe there you go. That, there you know, you that go. ultimately a, we want to keep this upbeat. So it's something that had a positive outcome. experiences, they happen. They do. But worst experiences with good recovery, those are pretty rare. Because mm. when you get that cranky, cranky customer, sometimes you just can't do anything for them. You're just like here this is everything <laughs> well Trent yesterday you were talking about uh, you know people that that arrive late and they miss the bus and they're upset about that and then trying to redirect that even though it wasn't something that you did or it was the organization's fault but it was uh, you know it's something that you still kind of have the the power of influence to kind of like manage their perceptions yeah on, on your back end you're just cranky because they're late they're screwing up your schedule you have priorities you have other customers but you can't do that you know can't just be like screw you you're late you're out of here you have to work with them and what our usual thing is is hey we'll get you out as soon as we can you've missed this bus we'll get you out as soon as we can what you don't tell them is that it might be four hours because the next four runs are all filled up mm-hmm. and then they're coming up and they're asking you're like oh yeah we're trying we're trying we're you know the, this bus is full we're trying to see if we can squeeze you in somewhere and you just it sounds really bad, and I know this is mainly targeted at attraction people, so y'all get it, is you're stringing them along. You're trying to just convince them that, hey, hang in there, we'll get you. But it's, you know, when you're in, it's like I'm in literal travel where I'm transporting people. So, like, if you miss your airline, the airline's going to get you out when they can, but they've got, they're already scheduled and booked up. They can't get you in until somebody drops. And yeah. I'm, I'm in a similar situation, and you just, you politely keep stringing them along so you don't lose them right 
By the way, I forgot to ask, who are you? Where oh, are you yeah, from? I introduce myself. <laughs> I'm Trent Anthony I'm with fault. Canoe Outpost Peace River awesome. in Arcadia, Florida. Cool. So do you ever do you ever confirm <laughs> with them that, okay, you're on the third to last bus. I can get you on that because I have two seats and then then I can then we'll try to get you on the next two in between there if there's space. Is that how that goes? Well I deal with a lot of groups. You know, yeah. 10, 20 canoes, which is you know two people a piece at least, sometimes three. So you know 20, 30 people is a full bus. Yeah, right. And even if it's a group of 10, that's still like you know half to a third of a bus depending on where we are and what we're doing. So with that the spacing becomes an issue because like on a busy weekend where people are typically running late is when that's that's when it happens is when we're already busy so i've got five buses going at 10 o'clock and you miss the eight o'clock run i don't have room for half a bus or a full bus at 10 o'clock anymore you're now at least at 11 30 maybe but if somebody at 10 o'clock is running late like you are maybe i can get you in at 10 but i can't guarantee it so I told you, I'll get you out as soon as I can. I make no guarantee of when I'm going to get you out, but by 1.30 at the latest, the last run, I know I have room. So probably way before then, though. But there's, I never promise a set time. Just keep them on the hook. Keep working them until hopefully you can get them out and they're still happy. And I, it genuinely works out 99% of the time. I've had, in 20 years, I've probably had one person just get cranky because they couldn't get on the bus and just, like, end up saying, screw it, we're out of here. So, you know, it's been what we do, and it's because we have scheduling. We're on a hard timeline. Not everybody is. Yeah. I'm sure, Chrissy, you've got set schedules. We do. Do you, we do. you, do you have enough full capacity sometimes where you run out of room? We do, yeah. We have um, Christina from Sawgrass Recreation Park. Um, we offer airboat tours in the Florida Everglades. Um, we do have um, very fixed uh, capacity, and we are selling out now about 20% of the time. We've intentionally um, brought our numbers to 30% under what they used to be at um, in terms of levels. Um, we don't want our staff overwhelmed. We want a better experience for our guests. Um, so while our sellout days used to be between 11 and 1,300 people, um, we are now at 800, um, and we'll never see those days again, um, which is a wonderful feeling. I feel like I'm protecting my people from, from that chaos. Um, we do sell out. Um, we try very hard to be accommodating, even if we're sold out. You know, luckily our vessels are 15 to 25 on capacity, so usually a couple extra heads we can try to work it in and take care of people. Um, our private tours are a little stickier. We do have set departure times, and when we are sold out, they are pretty back-to-back, -back. Um, but kind of like if you went for a massage appointment and you were five or ten minutes late, we may have to shave off just a few minutes of time if we do have that captain recommitted on the next tour um, but you can make anything better I think with a, a free bottle of water or a nice little <laughs> snack um, or maybe a gator tooth in a bottle um, or just a really wonderful temperament um, so what we will do is if they're 10 minutes late for their tour we'll say okay we've got everything ready for you guys we're gonna get you on the water in five minutes it's only 15 minutes off your timing we'll see if we can't give that captain an extra five or ten minutes to be out on the water the next group's a few minutes late checking in um, we'll do what we can so the next group by the time they get their wristbands and sign their waivers and then a few free waters and some nice smiles and I'll go out and personally chat with them to kind of have a little conversation and they feel like they're getting off right on time last group got almost all of their time um, and everyone leaves happy so we try our best to accommodate we have some extreme circumstances where we can't 
Um, and But, you know, other than that, really, I think you can fix most things with a, a smile and a water. I think we've only had maybe a half a dozen people over the last, you know, 17 years I've been there at the park where it really ended in a situation where it's like a toxic relationship. You know, this dating isn't going well. I appreciate that you did want to enjoy an airboat ride today, um, but this is my family that is here working with me. My customers are my friends that are my new guests that are here, and this is a little toxic for our environment. So while we love you and we're glad that you came to try to see us, I'm going to give you every dollar back, and then I wish you all the best in your day and on your journey, and you have a nice day. And it's almost a I don't accept that. I wish yeah. I could see that and that's person, a, yeah. I don't want you to have It that is experience. wonderful. And my, that would be hysterical to watch. It is really yeah. fun, and my staff kind of love it when I go into ultra customer service mode, and they kind of sit back like, what's going to happen? Um, and they get very excited about it. Um, and I think um, I, don't, I don't allow anyone to let us feel riled. I don't allow them that part of my day. I don't allow them that part of my soul, just like I do in my personal life. Um, and I think it's okay that you have an expectation to want to enjoy an activity or an opportunity that we're presenting, um, but there is no there is no right to it. Um, like flying in the magical tubes in the sky, that is a gift. Um, we go there, we sit down, we behave, we act you know, polite, we are respectful of the tube in the sky. Um, and I feel the same way about the airboats. The Everglades, yeah. it's a beautiful corner of the world. My, my boats are a beautiful, majestic fleet of 20 vessels worth several million dollars, and my staff are my very, very, very personal family. So no, you can't come in and you can't be mean to my Tori. She is my angel. No, you cannot treat her that way. Um, and I think we've gotten to a point where we just have a hard no thank you limit on that kind of behavior. And if it's starting at check-in, it's just going to continue from there. And I don't think that we can meet their expectations on any level. That behavior is just going to continue throughout the day. And I think it will still result in a negative review, no matter what fantastical service we provide. They could see nine gators and a bird swooping in and eating a fish, and they're still going to have a horrible time. Um, so I think it's better to stop that experience when it's happening right there at the gates and just uninvite that person to be a part of your activity for the day and respectfully move on and then start healing as a group. Christina, did you, have you cut, uh, since you cut capacity, at the place, have you noticed them shopping more because it's not as crowded, yeah. or even going to your? You have that little uh, ca uh, cafe or actually like food court area. Are they spending more time there now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what we're finding is overall we've increased some customer satisfaction. Um, the day after Christmas, I was 30 minutes or less of a wait to get on the boats all day. And that's the same a wait on a 300-person day as it was on an 800-person day. We had proper staff in place. And also my staff, they all got lunch breaks. My captains got water and restroom breaks. And everybody ended the day not <laughs> I think not feeling like like haggard cats. Like, you know, when you go home and you're like, what? What was that? Like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that doesn't happen on our busier days anymore. It used to be like a marathon. And yeah, we're running around and there's lots of people there and that's okay. But we see customers, there's more room in the gift shop. We only allow 60 guests an hour to sign up for our experiences and check into the park. Well, I have most days four to five captains working. I can put almost 200 people an hour on the water. But with that 60, it's a nice volume. I also have walk-ins who didn't make that reservation, even though they were supposed to. We got plenty of room for them. We also have the opportunity to upsell a private tour every hour. Got an extra captain around. As soon as somebody asks, we can immediately accommodate. Um, and our, our revenues are, we're breaking records. We're on 18 months straight of breaking records, uh, even with 10 to 20% less passenger count. Um, so it's kind of the sweet spot. I just had a staff meeting recently, and the first the first graph is going in a downward direction. I said, but hang in there, guys. It gets better. So this is just the passenger count, and this is what we want to see. We want 20% down. It's okay. And they're like, we want 
less people I'm like just wait with me um, and we've also uninvited 17 of our prior contracted relationships through work you know group business and corporate business to work with our company anymore we had some very heavy volume models and some I would like to say it's more of an old Florida mentality. It's take somebody's money, put them on a bus, make the money. I don't care about the customer. Um, and that is not our, it doesn't align with our morality and our views for our customers anymore. So we have stopped doing business with almost two dozen companies um, wow. since COVID. And when they came back to come back to us, I think we were in a better place mentally and physically. And we were like, oh, but no, thank you. you we wish you well, but no, thank you. Um, and it was so healing for my staff. I had tour guides screaming at my staff, telling us how to run our business treating my, my people inappropriately um, so we no longer work with many of them um, but that has really worked to our advantage it's made a lot more opportunities for direct customer business and direct volume um, and it's worked out very much to our advantage it's we've rebounded pretty successfully so I don't think we're ever gonna go back to those relationships it feels quite good that's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah one of the things I heard kind of in both of those scenarios was about boundaries right and that's I think something we don't necessarily talk a lot about because to your point Chrissy we want to put as many people on that bus as possible, as many people on that boat as possible, and we don't have the room for the the what-ifs, right? And we, we can't accommodate that. And I think to your point, when you reduce the amount of people, you can actually increase the experience that they have, which obviously increases your word of mouth, and it increases how much they're spending in the gift shop and on food and beverage and things like that. And so you're actually you know, looking at your business in a very, very different way, but you're also putting boundaries around how much you're going to tolerate from a guest perspective, which leads right into the employee experience because now you're saying, we're gonna um, prioritize the employee experience because we're not gonna allow those guests to beat them up. Mm -hmm. and, and still having the, the business, uh, I would say justification to back that up, right? And, and doing that, so, uh, so let's flip it. Let's uh, let's talk about it from the employee complaint resolution standpoint. Does anybody have any good stories, examples, or even just general strategies, even if it's not any specific anecdotes of managing employee conflict if they are expressing dissatisfaction, whether it's about their job, their leader, coworkers, guests, work environment, anything there, uh, and the abilities to resolve that? You know, yesterday... I wasn't thinking of anything Trent else. again. Yes, this is Trent again. <laughs> Canoe outpost. So I kept thinking, I'm like, I don't really have any good stories. I actually just let a guy go. Uh, about a month or two ago, all of a sudden, one of my employees walks off the job. He's livid. He's about to get in a fight with one of the other staff. And I'm, I'm, I go out there and I'm like, one of my, he's literally been with me for 20 years. I'm like, if Pete's gone, something went haywire. So I call Pete. I'm like, just come back. I'll figure it out. We'll talk in a minute. Let me go find out what's going on. So I come out of the office. I go to find out what's going on. And he's mad at one of the other employees. The other employee is down there on the dock telling customers we don't provide water. And he's like, "We, you have an OSHA requirement to provide potable water. I'm like, I'm way too small to be under OSHA. I provide potable water. And why are you telling this to customers? And he was literally down there telling customers, I don't provide drinking water. And I'm like, that's the same water I drink right there out of the hose. My cup has that water right there. He wanted purified distilled water provided for drinking water. It was too, too good to drink out of the sink or the hose, the same water everybody else drinks. He wanted purified distilled water. And if he had just come to me and said, hey, look, man, I can't drink the well water. It bothers me, you know. 
can you get me a case of bottled water? I'll spend $4 on a weekend. But he didn't. He went and complained to customers and instead of having drama with other employees where they're mad at him because he's bashing on us, and he's been with us for 20 years and knows I, I, we take care of our staff. He was bashing us customers and the other employee got so upset about it, he was leaving. And I wasn't gonna lose the 20 year employee over the new 20 year old employee that has been there for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I said, if that's how you feel, bye. And he didn't argue, just took off. Yeah, he was that, done, and I'm like... That's what's happening right now throughout. And, and we have a lot of older employees. I'm J Joe Pereira with guest services. But uh, we have a lot of employees that have been with us for many years. But right now, especially seasonal employees, they walk in, they don't like something, they turn around and walk right out. They don't even, they don't even punch out or anything. They'll just say, I'm going to the bathroom, you don't even see them anymore. And that's happening throughout the whole industry. And it's not even a question of them being upset over anything if it doesn't fit what they're looking for they're done they're just done and we're not and they're, they're gone and whatnot and that's how and that's what's flipped since the pandemic i i think the whole thing has flipped you know and that's um but i think that's the new world we have right now well, I think people's expectations for what they're getting into may have changed, right, right, uh, right. to that to that point. Yeah. And, you know, we heard it, people talk about it yesterday. People want to work for an organization that, that supports them and, and helps them, and there's a purpose behind it. And, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to translate in, that into a, a job where you're selling T-shirts, right? What's my bigger purpose, right? Well, maybe it's going to conservation or something of that nature. But, you know, when people have those kind of expectations and we as, an organ, uh, as leaders may not be listening, to them or we may not have the mindset of oh things have changed a little bit since 2019 and we're not looking at things a little differently we may you know encounter those different situations so I, I totally think you know you're right in terms of those expectations the question then is how do we deal with it you know what do we do about it one of the things uh, Pam from Gulf War Marine Park uh, one of the things that we've experienced is we try to um, accommodate if they uh, you know need something else like for example there was this one woman that we hired in our grill area in our food and beverage area and we went through the whole interview process and she you know seemed great and wonderful and then she worked for two days and said oh by the way I I can't work on weekends I said, um, excuse me? <laughs> I said, uh, you didn't mention that in your interview process. Um, you know, we, we need you for your a cook in the, in the grill. You know, we need you on weekends. I said, but let me, let me check with the schedule. Let me see if I can work it out with the other team members. And let me see what I can do. So I was able to switch around some, the schedule and, and accommodate her to have weekends off. Then, two weeks later, she's like, the kitchen is too hot, and I don't want to work in the kitchen anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you right now. I hired you to be a cook. We tried to accommodate with you, and we worked with you with your schedule, but now you're telling me it's too hot in the kitchen, and you don't want to work with us anymore. Um, I, I just don't know that I can accommodate you of that change. <laughs> I mean, I tried, but... It's, it's like they just keep pushing and keep pushing and yeah. keep wanting more and wanting more. And at, at some point, you finally just have to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't accommodate your needs and just cut your ties. And, and that's happened several times to us in different, in different departments. They get there and they just 
don't like it all of a sudden anymore. <laughs> I will say that something, um, Christina from Sawgrass, I will say that's something we are transitioning on. It's a cue that I took from Jennifer from Line Country Safari, is that we are developing a career page on our website. Um, and we went out and we listed um, very specific um, things that are going to be required of that position or that task at the park. So I don't think we were doing a fantastic job of really explaining to people what it was going to involve um, to do that job. And that's really unfair. You know, it's really not on, on their on their part. And I really sat down and I said, when we're hiring them and we're interviewing them to be a clerk, we're interviewing them for maintenance. You know, we're 17 acres of Everglades land. Our, maybe our maintenance position is not just like it is at an apartment complex or maybe even assisting at Home Depot or wherever they've worked before. We're quite different. You know, we have 17 acres of land that we maintain. Occasionally there's a gator in the mix. So let's be more honest about what they may encounter in that process so that potentially we can weed out some of the candidates when they read it will say, you know, it can be a warm environment. It can be outdoors. You will be in the elements, you know, working in the elements sometimes. Um, and I'm hoping that helps with that, that side of the situation. We've maybe had a little bit of fall off for that reason. Um, but we've also, even though we're short staffed, we've also intentionally been monitoring more of a, a personality um, inclusion in the workplace. And for the first time in the last 18 months, we've been kind of eliminating people that are not meeting the culture and the workflow and the environment. We have a very unique culture. Um, I, I would say it's a bit of a, a bit of a hippie culture. We're very laid back. We're very informal. Um, titles don't, don't mean a whole lot. We're not a very title heavy company. Um, and so somebody who is seeking that power and seeking, it's important to them to be in charge of other people and to push other people. Um, it isn't going to work well for them. In our environment, we practice servant leadership, which means it's kind of the, the pyramid of you would normally think of as upside down. So I am actually at the very bottom and all of my staff kind of float to the different levels to the top and I am in service to them. Um, and that doesn't work for a lot of people. Um, if they've come from a traditional environment that may be a, a factory or a union or um, even just a corporate world, they are not okay with that. They're very uncomfortable not knowing the black and white and the limits, but who's my boss? But who? We do have bosses but we're going to be working next to you, not, not you know, coming out and barking at you. Um, so we have had to eliminate several individuals from the organization that did not meet that mindset um, because it was starting to affect the culture. And even though we were short-staffed and it met me back on the front lines again for three or four months while we filled that position, I will say we have seen great success with that because I started to see that trickle effect of that one personality and how it started to spread to an area, a department, and then a, a, a park-wide feeling. Um, and it's uncomfortable to do. It's hard when you admit that a person's personality is not the match. Not that they can't do the job, but just the way they're working with coworkers and the way they're speaking. And that is very uncomfortable, um, a conversation to have and uncomfortable steps to take. Um, but it has served us very well. And again, another area we're protecting the staff on is I won't let somebody come in here and be this way with you and, and start bossing you around. We don't boss people around. Um, but it's, we've had good success. But I took that lead from Jennifer. I think Jennifer yeah. practices very similar things, and I've learned a lot from her on that front. Yeah, so, amazing. I think it's so important, like you just said, that, that to right up front give them the good, the bad, the ugly, just right up yeah. front. Because, I mean, I mean, we didn't do this five years ago. Yeah, it was always a rosy picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, yeah. the customers are going to be the greatest you'll ever have. <laughs> you, you'll you'll never have. And you'll get your lunch breaks right on time. <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> so I think, that, I think that's what's worked out for us now is given the whole story. This is it. Can you handle it? <laughs> I, yeah, I have a couple of thoughts based on what uh, Matt was saying. This is Trent with Canoe Outpost again. Um, <laughs> What you were saying about, you know, it's hard to say, you know, what are we doing? At least on the attraction level, we've got it easy. We're helping people make memories. 
and I took that a, a few years back as like that you know somebody asked me what I do for like an elevator speech yeah. and I was like I hope you make memories with your families and friends is my new like shtick for that and um, as to like the employment thing um, you have to to figure out how to communicate with your people but like her staff that works with her is not the same staffing people I have for me and you've got people all over so you've got wide varieties of people so I don't even know how you handle staffing like how do you develop a culture when you've got what 18 locations well our employee staffing throughout the United States uh, it's uh, 7,000 yeah how do you develop a culture when you have 7,000 people in all 50 states probably you're you're y'all are spread wide and you're like a dozen to 18 just in Florida yeah, we have, uh, here in Florida, we have, uh, yeah, you're right, 18 locations. Yeah. <laughs> so there's 18 locations, and just like Chrissy's only three hours away. So with three-hour drive, her culture is 100% different of the people. Like, what me and her both, like, ascribe, like, you know, she, she, she describes it better as servant leadership, but, like, it's a, it's a kind of like FAA. It's a family thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I have my employees' backs. So they have my back. That's why the one employee was so he was ready to go swing on another employee because the employee was bad mouthing us. Mm. That level of loyalty and trust can only be built by giving them that same loyalty and trust. Yeah. And that is what helps you communicate that you're giving out memories and that kind of feeling to your customers. You're making them part of your family as well. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what your attraction is, what you're selling, you can still do that. And that can always be something you can say is your purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think really does. <clears throat> Sorry, it's Christy with Rumble Buzz, um, marketing communications. But I would say, so for years and years working in the attractions, that all does start with the leadership, though. You can't create that feeling of trust amongst your staff, or amongst your team members, if it doesn't exist from the top. And that's what I've seen a lot of, is leaders trying to push down that. You've got to trust each other. You've got to take care of each other but it doesn't exist on those upper levels. And so that's key. I mean, and I think that's how you create a culture. If you've got 7,000 locations, it starts at the top. (laughs) And I have to say, for my company, Guest Services Incorporated, we've been around 105 years, and I have to say through the pandemic, though, but you're absolutely right. From the very start, start of the pandemic, our executives were on a team call like every two weeks with the whole company, this is what's going on out there. This is what we're doing. This is what we're, you know, we're experiencing. But, you know, this is what we're going to do for you. But you have to tell them. And if, you, if they don't know, and if it doesn't come from the horse's mouth, well, That's then right. you know what? Then they're all making up stories along the way. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, my name's Retta Logan from AAA Flag and Banner. I think as attractions, when you guys are hiring people, you have a challenge because I went there and I made memories with my family. So now I think I want to work there and your role is shifted. So what I think, like where you had the problem with the cook, you know, there's almost like you've got to spend a day before you even accept the job, going to that department, maybe sweeping the bathroom, seeing how the whole backstory works. Because my story, when I'm thinking like, oh, I'm gonna be at Flamingo Gardens and experience this whole thing and I'm gonna be able to stand and pet the flamingo all day, it's not my job. But I think it is, because that's the memory I made. Yeah, that is true. So you guys need to think about that a little bit when you're hiring people, how do we integrate them 
versus this. You're going to work here, but really, you're going to work here. Yeah, this is what it <laughs> You're going to do the work while you're here. But that used to be magical. That is yes. how you brought them in, right? right. Like I, mean, yeah. I spent years with SeaWorld and Bush Gardens, and you were like, don't you want to be part of this? <laughs> and now you're sweeping cigarette butts, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, it has shifted because they do. I mean, I have a 17-year-old daughter. What she expects out of a job, very different than what I expected at 17. I thought I was someone's servant. She's like, what are you going to do for me? Yeah. Because yeah. I can go next door and they'll pay me more and I'll have better hours like there's they have so much opportunity and they know it yeah well and I think one of the things that I'm hearing that is is a a parallel in both the employee experience and the guest experience goes back to the boundaries right as as we were talking about you know boundaries in terms of the guests that we're going to uninvite to our facilities (laughs) I think there's employees that we uninvite to come back right and if they're creating a toxic culture if they're creating you know issues for other people then we have to be able to say it's it's not working out. But I think we have the same issue mentality, especially right now, where we're struggling for staff. And like, oh my gosh, you're going to actually show up and you be here to, to work? <laughs> You'll tolerate a lot of people thump, show thump, up. Thump, thump, right, exactly. Yeah. And so you do tolerate those things and you tolerate you know lower standards than you really should, right? And that creates a worse culture. And then the leaders are trying to figure out anything they can to overcome that when really the answer is, we probably need to run short-staffed for a while because those those people that are there that are really bought in and engaged, you know, that may be five people less than we need, but we know we're going to get, you know, such a, a better return from those folks than having those those five bad apples that are really going to screw up everything. Like she's saying, limit capacity to the right amount. Yeah. Limit capacity, what you can do with the good staff you have. Do it right or don't instead of instead of trying to just overbook and kill it and do it by volume do the job right and you'll do better with less people Mm -hmm. i have a question for genevieve genevieve you guys have probably what i know to be one of the greatest generational gaps among your staffing Mm -hmm. um you have so many wonderful um senior volunteers and senior staff members that have been with your organization for so long um that are really sage but i know you also have a really big handful of of very young very new talent Mm -hmm. how do you guys navigate that at flamingo gardens that's a great question (laughs) (laughs) i think to put you on the spot no that's okay i'm genuinely interested yeah but we are it is such a family environment that um, you know we went through the pandemic and we were short-staffed and you wouldn't be amazed like nobody dropped off you know we had to furlough employees um, but everyone came back and just the older employees that are training these younger employees that are coming in after them and giving them not only the information for the job that they're doing but the historical information about where we've been as a company and where we are now um, is really important and then for our senior volunteers as well um, being able to train up the new volunteers that come through as well so that's been that's been really great one of the things that I wanted to bring up was that uh, in addition to our, our guests and our um, employees, we have the pleasure of having that third piece, which is members. So there's a, a sense of entitlement with a lot of members that you have to, you know, it's a, tr- it's a slippery slope dealing with them on a different scale as our regular guests, because we might only see that guest once this year, but we might see that member six times this week. And so um, making sure that they're happy while at the same time 
giving them realistic expectations of what that's going to look like. So that's an interesting mm -hmm. level yeah. of consideration. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about the, the <laughs> I didn't think about the the element of the membership. I'm sure museums deal with the same mm -hmm. you know the same kind of a yeah. blessing as well yeah. as, <laughs> as certainly a challenge. But that's an interesting element you bring into that because they do become like another layer of your mm -hmm. your staff, those regular customers yeah. that have those needs and special wants. And yeah. wow, very interesting. Yeah. I never considered that. Thank yeah. you, Genevieve. I, yeah, and I guess it's an interesting challenge because from a member standpoint you want to engage your members and you want to be able to foster their loyalty so they continue to visit they continue to spend and refer and continue to renew uh, while at the same time setting those parameters around them so that they if they I, I guess I think you use the word entitled or that mm. that sense of entitlement that they're they are owed because I'm I'm elite because I am a member uh, and then that can be looked at from the employee standpoint as well if you want you want to do everything to be able to, to serve your employees and meet their needs while at the same time uh, if there's if there's more senior employees who, who feel that they are more entitled than you know more more junior employees than or, or whatever it is uh, to to I would say kind of balance balance that of focusing on uh, ensuring that their needs are met that their expectations are exceeded while at the same time uh, keeping them in their lane I would say well I think the other interesting part about that is that you know your employees you know you may see them five days a week or three days a week or something but it's on a more consistent basis right you may have a guest that comes in once a season but to your point the members are coming in maybe even more frequently than a, a, get, a team member right and so it's not just about you know creating a great experience once, but you've got to do that consistently. And that's one of the challenges I've seen in a lot of organizations, especially with large staff, right, is consistency. And making sure that you have the, the process, a system, uh, you know, the, the right heart for it to be able to do that on a consistent basis. So maybe that's another um, element to kind of throw out there is how do we do that on a consistent basis? High level of standards for our team, high level of standards for our members and the people that visit us frequently. The line you said about the right heart, that's, you've got to find people that are the right people. If they're not the right people, you can work and work and work and pressure the system and push on it and set all the rules you want. But if they don't have that heart for it, you're wasting your time. You're just, you're, you're training a drone and drones aren't going to produce good guest experiences. You're going to end up with mediocre experiences for your guests and mediocre reviews and mediocre customers after that. Because it all comes down to the human element of it, both <laughs> and, for the guest and the employee experience. And we are all human. We are all human. And I think that a lot of the things that we talked about today, when we talk about the intersection of the guest and employee experience, and this has just been an unbelievable, lively discussion, and, and we've, I think, like ping-ponged back and forth a lot and really wove it all together nicely. And the reason why we have this theory that so many of the elements of it are very much the same is because we are all human, right? Whether it is an employee, whether it is a guest, whether it is a, a member, whether it is, you know, whatever it is, manager, leader, uh, wherever in the uh, the employee cycle or wherever in the guest cycle it is, uh, we're in the human to human type of experience. The other thing too, uh, all the things that we talked about here and when we talk about the elements that go into guest experience, the elements that go into the employee experience, Everything relates down to the success of the business in general. So the two main things that we're talking about 
are guest loyalty and employee retention. When we talk about exceeding guests' expectations and resolving service failures, uh, you know, we're talking about being able to increase the lifetime value of a guest so that they come back, they become that, that member or that annual pass holder, they come back every single season, they tell their friends, and then from the employee side, we do the exact same thing. So they stay longer, and so they refer other people, uh, and they become an advocate and ambassador of the business as well. So all of these things uh, just go straight down to, to the ultimate success of the business and of the industry in general. So, so we want to thank all of you for joining us today. We're so grateful for FAA. And it's not just that we are all humans, but we are all attraction pros. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.